back to the dry hockey periodically, remembering that you're right. I said last year, boy, wouldn't it be crazy if the Panthers and Lightning played again in the playoffs with higher stakes? Here we go. They're playing again with higher stakes. What more could we have asked for? And the Panthers are the favorites. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you can say that they're the consensus favorites, but in a lot of sense, they are the favorites. They're the higher seed. They have the home ice. Uh, they have the better record. Uh, and you could say right now they have the healthier team and the bigger and the longer depth uh, going into a, a series that has the only back-to-back in round two. We'll get to that. We'll get to the scheduling in a second. I think there is a lot of anger from Panthers fans, and I will say, rightfully so, I understand that if you are a diehard South Florida sports fan, these couple of days are going to suck. You're going to have to pick, but we'll get to that in a bit. I want to start by saying this, and we'll get to all the rest of what's going on around the league in a second because we're recording this Monday afternoon and a bunch of stuff happened. I'll start by saying this. This is the opportunity of a generation for the Florida Panthers. They, they could not have scripted this any better. They won their playoff series. They had to work really hard to do it. They then get to play the opponent they most want to play. I understand that many of you don't want to play the Lightning in the playoffs, but you figured if the Panthers were going to do what they had to do this year, they're going to have to beat Tampa to do it. And that's the way it should be. It's the way a lot of great teams in sports win. You have to beat the champs. You know, there are a number of great stories in sports where the, we've seen the passing of the torch moment, and this is the chance for the Panthers to have that. And the Lightning probably don't have Braden Point, or at the very least, do not have a healthy Braden Point. This is the opportunity of a lifetime for the Panthers, and it is a moment that hopefully they have the ability to seize. And they're going to have to do some things differently than they did in that first round, but this is the... I'll say it. It's a chance of a lifetime. It's once in a lifetime if you're a Talking Heads fan like I am. Well, hopefully it's not once in a lifetime. I mean, with Barkov and Huberto, uh, hopefully, you know, the second round, you know, is now a standard or, you know, uh, every couple years thing. Well, I mean it more, more often than that. that. You're not but... going to get a chance to beat the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion yeah. and your greatest rival I, I to mean... get there. That's what I mean. Yeah, and if I guess I've come at it a different way. I'm not trying to look at this series as David versus Goliath slaying the dragon or, you know, build it up in, in, in those sense. I think that they organically play Tampa really hard. They have that natural competitiveness, that natural desire to beat them, uh, more so than I would say Toronto. Uh, and... So for me, I'm not worried about it. I, I want them to more so see themselves as if we do everything that we know we're capable of, we should be able to close this out in six, five or six. Like we should be able, you know, we should win these games. Like, you know, take it game by game, uh, but we should be able to win every puck battle. You know, we should be able to, to dictate the play. We should be able to, you know, wear them down with our four lines and our three D pairs and, uh, you know, focus on capitalizing on the power play. And there's no way they can stop us. That's that's what I want them to feel like versus, um, you know, this is a once in a lifetime chance to, you know, the two times. I, I don't want them to be thinking like that. This is a team that for all intents and purposes, they can be uh 
in a seven-game series more times than not. I think they've learned their lessons. We hope they learned their lessons from last year. And I understand your, your thought process because this should be the theoretically the opening of a window where the Panthers are going to, you know, hopefully be in this spot a lot. But when you think about, I just, I like the occasion. I like thinking about it in those larger contexts, even if it's just for me. But I also know internally in both organizations, they know deep down, they kind of both wanted this. The Lightning wanted a chance to beat the Panthers again because last year, Tampa, and we talked about it repeatedly on the show last year and leading into this season, the Panthers put the fear of God in Tampa last year when the Panthers came out in game one and played, you know, with their hair on fire. And that got Tampa to be Tampa again. And I know the Islanders took them seven, but the Panthers were clearly, I think to me, the team that gave Tampa the most trouble in that entirety of the playoffs last year. And what I think now is the Panthers are better. They have another year of experience under their belt, and they're much deeper than they were a year ago. And the Lightning don't have brain point, or at least a healthy brain point. The chance is there for them to tr- truly do this. And Tampa's Tampa. They still did it against Toronto, even with Braden Point just sitting on the bench and Nikita Kucherov sucking wind for half the game. But, but I mean, what the is, Panthers what is, should win this game. The Panthers should win this series. They should think internally we can beat them and we should beat them. We are better. We are deeper than them. If we do the things we have to do, we can beat them. Yeah, I mean, and what? It, but what is Tampa's Tampa? And and you know, they are a bit hobbled. They weren't. They're not as fast. I mean, they looked closer to Washington speed than Florida speed. If we're, if we're, you know, looking at their most recent series they played in the playoffs. Yes, they're savvy. Yes, they know what it takes to win, and they clearly work the refs. You know, like not saying that they pay them off or anything like that. What I mean is, no, no, no. They're not. They, they know how to get away. They know how to get away with things. They know how to. Um, they know. They know you know, not to do the, the obvious high sticks or like the trips and stuff like that, but they do, you know, the holds and the hooks and the, and the picks and the things that they, that don't seem to get caught. They cheat on the face-offs. They do a bunch of things like that. Uh, and Florida is going to have to be able to get around that and, and capitalize on the special teams. But after that, I mean, Florida's faster. They, they're going to be able to play. They should be able to play a little different game play more of, you know, how they did in the regular season against this Tampa team um, who's not going to be employing the Lavi lock. They're not going to be, but they do have Andre Vasilevsky, and we know what Andre Vasilevsky does, although he was human for most of the Toronto series until Game 7, which he was not, and he was great. In, that, in the, the third period of Game 7, he was awesome. But I think about Tampa as a team that has played a ton of hockey, and they have. I think about the Panthers as a team that has fresher legs, that has played less hockey than the Lightning have, considering the bubble, considering last year, considering they had to play seven really brutal games against Toronto that were dead even. I think that this, again, it sets up for the Panthers to be able to do this. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to. And they have to learn some things from that Washington series. I want to talk about game six because we haven't talked about it yet. You, well, we always hear about leadership, right, in the playoffs and what does leadership actually entail. What leadership entails is what Aaron Ekblad and Claude Giroux did in Game 6. Because Aaron Ekblad's, what, second shift he gets hurt? He's not right, but he makes those two incredible plays to set up goals. And then in the third period, you're down 2-1. 
You give up a bit of a fluky goal on the power play. And then what does Claude Giroux do? Sets up all three of the preceding goals for the Panthers and makes the plays, right? That's what that leadership is. And that's why you go out and get Claude Giroux. It doesn't, honestly, I mean, of course, we all want them to win going forward. But if nothing else, Claude Giroux justified that trade by what he did in game six. That was, and you know Claude Giroux better than I do. That looked like vintage Claude Giroux, but in the playoffs, in a, you know, chips are down situation with a chance to eliminate a team. And Claude Giroux won two playoff series in 10 years, right? Like, that was what you get a player like that to do. And they didn't have that last year, and they have that this year. And that's one of the differences. For the first time, Claude Giroux had a team around him where he didn't have to play hero ball to do it. He could wait and pick his opportunities and capitalize on what was given to him by Washington and and what was available on the ice. Uh, He wasn't forcing things. Uh, And, yeah, yeah, Ekblad, uh, Verhege, Giroux, I mean, Barkov, Forsling, and Bobrovsky, obviously, are the big names that stand out of who really were the were the guys in that series uh, i'll also say brunette the coaching staff you know they won a series for the team uh and how many coaching staffs haven't um i i think what they did a good job of was keeping the energy uh, and and the veterans of the team keeping the energy positive keeping the belief high in the team um you know they were tested. It was, a. we talked about on the last podcast, it was a different series than the other series going on. Um, and it was definitely more balanced and more contested and, and more, I think, of playoff hockey. And when you're, when you're looking at how a banged up, you know, in our mind, a banged up Tampa team that's determined to like you said, make history and go for a three-peat and, and be considered one of the best teams, you know, of all time. Uh, they're, they're determined, and how are they going to play Florida? You know, they're going to probably employ a lot of the same tactics that Washington did. Um, you know, they're going to try to break up everything kill any transition there's Vasilevsky is probably going to be trying to get a lot of whistles um you know they're going to be doing whatever they can to put pressure and and wait for where there's emotionally charged moments and capitalize and 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 hope that their experience in those emotionally charged moments will allow them to gain those big momentum shifts that can that will win games and if they can do that three or four times you know they'll they'll win the series we talk a lot about moments i think the playoffs are all in the nhl when everything is so even it's all about moments right we talked about game four hathaway barely misses an empty net the panthers get you know a six on five goal they win game five in overtime what happens in game in game five they get to game five after a game four ot win and they're down three nothing and they make one clever little play to get Carter Verhage a goal, right? The little bank off the backboards when Samsonov's leading the wrong way. And that sends them downhill, right? And then what happened in game six? I mean, yeah, the Capitals tied it late. But the Panthers owned the moments in the third period. They made those plays. They didn't get, you know, butt hurt 
the lack of a better term, when the power plays didn't work, they kept going. They kept pushing. They kept, they kept at what they needed to do. They never gave up in terms of what they thought they had to do. And they won the moments. Eventually, they got better at winning moments as the series went on. And what Tampa's extremely good at, and why they beat Toronto, was they won the moments come the end of the series. They won the well, moments. Toronto also lost it, if you know what I mean, too. I, I, we'll talk about the Leafs later, because I want to. But by, the, by game six, they had those awful you know, end of second period things that happened to them. And then in the third period, they did what they needed. They drew penalties. They got a a five-on-three goal. And then in overtime, they took a moment, and they won the game. And then in game seven, they took moments. Toronto was the better team, but they won the moments with the little Nick Paul plays, with the saves by Vasilevsky. That's what they're good at. And if you don't win moments, you're not winning the series. And so the Florida Panthers have to be able to win moments in every one of these games. They're not going to win all of them. But if they win the little moments, they win those little emotional back and forths, and they get that little swing that they can get, you know, because they have game breakers who could go out and do something on their own, that's how they're going to win this series. And I think the differences, obviously, from last year are, of course, Aaron Eckblad being back is a huge one. We'll see how healthy he is. But him being back is obviously a big deal because the Lightning picked on Mackenzie Weger last year and it worked. Um, the Panthers now having Giroux having Reinhardt being a little deeper is really, really critical. And the Lightning are not as deep as they were a year ago. We know that, especially with point hurt. And so for the Panthers, obviously, I think we know last year they were the better five-on-five team, but they lost because they weren't good enough specialty teams and the Lightning had a better goalie. What are we going to see this year? Are the Panthers going to be able to be smart enough in those moments and cool and collected enough in those moments to do what they need to do on specialty teams, which is going to be huge, obviously. And Sergey Bobrovsky does not have to outplay Andre Vasilevsky, but he needs to do what he did in the first round against the Capitals. If he does that, if he plays within himself and he is able to keep the team on an even keel, they don't have to start chasing because, oh, Bobrovsky lets in a bad goal or what happened last year, right? If he does that, the Panthers can win. And I think that's really important to say, like, Andre Vasilevsky is going to be the better goalie regardless. But the Panthers don't need Sergei Bobrovsky to be the better goalie to win the series. The, the Lightning need Andre Vasilevsky in the way that things are right now for them to be the better goalie to win the series. That's true. I mean, with this series, I'm just very interested in how Florida is going to be able to dictate the pace of play, if they're going to be able to get ahead of things. Uh, as you said, um, you know, looking in the game six, when it was tied, Florida was able to play so well, I think, because they didn't necessarily have to score. Even though it was tied and you need to score to win, they weren't chasing the goal. Washington was down in the series. They needed to get that lead. They needed to win the game. You know, they had to force things. And as soon as they forced things, they started playing, you know, a little. They they started to try to go to Florida into penalties. They started to, you know, have their defensemen jump in, play loose, have, you know, get further from the center of the ice. And Florida was able to get into the center of the ice more, was able to. Uh, keep possession longer, was able to force more turnovers and 
and they they capitalized off of that by just staying at it, staying dogged on the puck and and, and on Washington. Uh, and if they can do that with Tampa, it, it changes the whole series. You know, if they can do that from the get-go, um, you know, comeback cats is nice and everything, um, but Tampa is advantage is you know, playing from the lead, using their experience to just shut down and, and kill Florida's momentum. I'm really interested, and I can't wait to see. I, I'm just so upset we have to wait. Uh, this should, It's Monday. It should be happening tonight. Well, um, we'll get to the scheduling in a second. I want to it's ridiculous. hockey first. It, it is a little frustrating, and I get but, it. I mean, the hockey of it is, you know, Florida has the depth. I, I want you know Duclair looks like he'll be drawn back into the lineup. So I didn't... what did you think of that decision? I was totally okay with it. I know exactly yeah, what I mean, they were doing, and at this point, Andrew Burnett doesn't do things like that. So when he does, he has a reason for it, and I don't think it was anything other than the fact that Duclair was becoming a net negative in the series. He was really frustrated. You said he was timid, and in a situation like that, I don't think the Panthers could have afforded. To have a player like that in the lineup, not confident and not being the best version of himself in a chance to win the series. And yeah, Ryan Lomberg scores, whatever. I mean, he scored an OT winner last year. That, 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 that happens. But they did what they had to do in that situation, I think. And now Anthony Duclair is going to be a better version of himself come this series against Tampa. I think that for oh, I think that it completely. So yeah. I had no issue with that decision. I, mean, I liked it. I, I don't I don't even know if it's Duclair was a net negative. I I wouldn't even say that. I would just I I think everybody knows that there's maybe like nine forwards who aren't coming out of the lineup. Six four or you know, maybe even less than that, you know, six forwards who but everybody else is gonna become is interchangeable and if you're gonna win the cup you have to be okay with that and I think you know we'll see Duclair show that he's you know a good a good teammate he's a he he's okay not okay with the decision but he understands that you know it was his turn to come out and he's going to come back in and he has a lot of things he can offer. And when he's coming back in, he's going to get an opportunity to play with some good players. We, you know, practice, he was with Huberto and, and Bennett. So it's not like he's dogged out, you know, he's in the doghouse or he's being punished or anything, but it was, you know, this is a team that is designed to have multiple looks have you know is there's not a set first line set second line set third line i mean there there's kind of is there's a general sense of that but you know brunette wants to always be able to just throw out like at the end of a period or at the end of a you know after a power play or or a penalty kill to just throw out like his the best five players that he feels are playing that game you know whether that's, you know, Huberto, Barkov, Giroux, or, you know, sometimes it, it, but he just, he just likes to be able to, like Quinville did too, just try to surprise the other team by just all of a sudden th- turning it up to 11, throwing a bunch of guys out there, uh, maybe after an icing or, or on the fly or something like that, try to catch them sleeping when you're away and you can't get the matchups. Um, and I, I thought that was really well done uh, by Brunette. I want to talk uh, about the defense pairs, too, because we saw what happened when he made the switch to go to Ekblad and Sherratt 
and then Uyghur and Forsling. And, you know... Another always... reason why you got to be patient as fans during a series because, you know, some of those... Sometimes it after a game, a coach makes a tweak and it makes a big difference. You win a game, you're tied back up, but you've made that tweak and now you're better for it and you have an advantage. Not saying that the loss was good, but... You know, you got to be patient. They're going to lose against Tampa at some point, and then he's going to make a tweak. But I think that it was that little adjustment that worked because what happened when he broke up Ekblad and Uyghur, which he never really did when they were healthy. Like, those two were glued together. But we saw last year that Mackenzie Uyghur and Gus Forsling can play well together. And Uyghur, I think, eventually realized, I don't have to do all the things that I was doing at times during the regular season. You know, and he kind of... As you were talking about, he kind of faded into the background a little bit, you know, and he let Forsling do it. And Forsling had a great series. But does that change in this series? We'll see. But I also think that Uyghur playing in a different kind of role allows the Panthers to throw a different matchup at the Lightning because last year we know they targeted Uyghur and it worked. Again, Ekblad was hurt and they didn't have Sherratt, so it's a little different. But now that little different tweak means that John Cooper has to try something else to try to get in behind that Panthers defense. And it's that little extra thing that they can do that I think is going to help them in this series. Because, you know, if Aaron Ekblad is, well, we'll see how healthy he is, but him playing with Ben Sherratt means he's playing a different game than when he plays with Uyghur. And I think that, you know, having Uyghur and Forsling as, you know, your all offense, you know, all go second pair is a, is a different look than compared to an ekblad Sherratt, which can do offensive things, but... You know, he's going to send that out when Kucherov and Stamkos are on the ice, right? He's going to send that out yeah. in those matchups. I, I and, mean, I, and I think one of the things, you know, I I don't want to speak about this because then it gives it more power than it actually does. But, you know, for the people who are worried about Pat Maroon and the big rig and whatever, um, you know, having Sherat, who who's that big and can skate better um is you know just kind of takes that out of the equation especially when he's starting to play well enough to play with Ekblad and as you say make a difference in a series by getting more ice time that you know that that shows that things are trending the right way and he's starting to find his fit uh and his purpose in the team it is really interesting when you look at just the way they started with him deployed and then how they changed it eventually by the end. And again, I think Brunette's going to have to make adjustments again once we get later into this series, but he's going to start with Ekblad and Sherratt as the number one pairing, and that is a different kind of matchup than Tampa has seen from the Panthers before. You know, when they played at the end of the season, that's not how they were deployed, obviously, because Ekblad wasn't available but yeah and I think, the other guy wasn't on the team so yeah so like but but i mean we were before in the game and add, add in claude Giroux, add in lundell that's yeah that's, like this is a smarter team it's a deeper team i think um and also you know we're going to talk about players that are really important in just the little spark plug sense like it sucks that marchman's out but they have maxine mammon who's doing a lot of that and I think the energy that he's provided has just given the team yeah. a little bit of a lift. I know we we talked about that last time around, but, I, but that works. And I think it's important that Marchman gets healthy. And I think that's the – because 
the advantage of having the depth is being able to get guys healthy so you stop having so many guys playing under 100% in the lineup, you know? Um, that's the advantage of having, you know... I mean, me and uh, O'Brien, Matt O'Brien, were talking over the weekend about how there's like 15 forwards, 10 defensemen, because Nudavara is now on the ice. I mean, I, I don't know if he's really an option, but... These are guys under the roster, you know, two goalies and uh, that can all play and don't really matter. Like, we don't mind if they come into the lineup. We think that they bring something. They, they, it can be a positive change to the team. And you, got, you have to be able to use that, especially with back-to-backs, especially with a team that, you know, has seen a lot more mileage in recent years in the playoffs and you know from my perspective looks slower um and is not as healthy and doesn't have as much depth even though they have you know killhorn they have uh colton uh you know they have Sorelli. some uh, i mean Sorelli yeah i mean they have like, one of the like, things that's i'm not, be interesting I'm not trying to undersell the, the the lightning obviously but you know if we were their bet if you know, I know that they were giving all the same kind of platitudes to Toronto as they gave to the Florida last year. But, um, you know, if we were such a good a- opponent for them last year, uh, and I think that, you know, they have attrition, obviously, uh, and we don't. We, we've increased our value. We've increased our chances. We're, we're a much better team. I think that that's going to be is where this comes in. And how does the Panthers, how do they use that advantage of being a little fresher, a little deeper against it? Like, I wonder, yeah. a couple of things I wonder in this series, just from a matchup perspective, like, is if points out, are they going to do 11 and 7? Are they going to play 7? Like, they do this a lot. I wonder if they're going to do that because they just don't have the depth at forward, you know, to make these things work. Uh, we'll see. Um, I wonder... Uh, Obviously, like Anthony Sorelli, sneaky guy who can win a Selkie. Really think he's good, obviously. What are the Panthers going to do? Like, who, who is Sorelli going to play against? You know, who is he going to try to take away? I'm assuming Barkov, but I'm not sure. You know, like that, that's a matchup that I, I'm interested in. Yeah, and whether, you know, sometimes it works out where both coaches of the teams have the same idea of, like, you know, Barkov, like, Barkov against Sorelli. Like both coaches could think that's what they want. And then it gets really easy to get that matchup. And then sometimes coaches are like, huh, maybe I should just chase away if it's not working out. Um, and, and then the game kind of gets a little wonky from there. Uh, but, you know, if, if I think Brunette is probably going to put Stamkos and Barkov, that's going to be what he wants. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sorelli Huberto is what Q, is Cooper's looking for. Um, Huberto was, was kind of quiet in the first round, even though he, I think he played well enough. Um, and, he wasn't bad. But he, just, he's not, he, wasn't, he's not, he wasn't, you know, doing what we know Jonathan Huberto can do. And he's not going to be kind of content with that. So, you know, he's going to be looking uh, to make a mark this series. He, I think he always plays Tampa very well, um, and uh, he played he played Tampa very well last year. He was so the best Panthers forward in that series I, last year. I, he was. So I think you know, without a question, 
there's a chance that's who Cooper's going to have targeted with Sorelli or whoever he wants to shut down the best, you know, line. Um, he might just take his chances with, you know, wh- whoever matches up with Barkov matches up with Barkov, or maybe he throws Killorn on him. Uh, you know, he's pretty capable, uh, you know, winger. I think he Ross maybe make a, you know, a little sneakier yeah. defensively. You yeah, know, so like, they, they he could might, do that too. Yeah, but that third line, right? That, that third line yeah. of that they have of Colton and Hagel and Paul. Like, what does he like? Last year, when he wanted to kill a game, he'd send Gord Coleman and Goodrow out there, and they'd kill a game. What does he do with that third line now? Can he send that third line out against, you know, if it's third line against third line, you know, it's against Reinhardt, Lundell, and Mammon in this case. I mean, you know, yeah, I think that's that's probably what you ha- what it gets defaulted to. Um, you know, and you just, I, I think that our third line's better than Toronto's third line, you know, if not marginal, um, or just my personal opinion, but, uh, so I think it wouldn't be a bad matchup for the Panthers if that's what happened. Uh, but I also think it's, you know, a decent chance that that could, you know, at times or in some games go the other way. Yeah, uh, like I think that there's going to be you know, there's going to be times when we know that a line's going to play better or play worse, and then it's all a matter of how Andrew Burnett keeps that, you know, and if, that if, if the, that's the, 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 the flow going. If that's the case too, right? Let's just say you know Paul, uh, you know that line gets the better of Lundell's line or something. You know we, you know that there's built in. You know, Giroux could maybe go down to that third line for that to to stabilize that matchup, or you know, you know that there's already chemistry built up with a lot of different pairings for Lindell. Um, you know, with Marchman being out, there's obviously he's used to guys on the left side, so um, they're not going to leave him out to dry if he's getting, you know manhandled out there or something like that so which i i don't think is going to happen i mean they could even put a chari out there if they had to exactly yeah there's there's you know i I think that they have a lot of pieces to to play the matchups it's just about when they get down on the ice uh you know do they get the puck luck are they able to cash in and bear down and put you know put the puck in the net uh, when they get the opportunity because, you know, Vasilevsky is a big goalie who uses very big equipment. Some, some would argue illegal. Huh. I'm, not, I'm not making that argument, but some, some do very la- vocally and often. Um, and, I, you know, he's a very talented goalie. So if he's giving you an open net or if he's out of position – and you have a puck on your stick, even if it's a little wobbly, even if you're under pressure or whatever, you got to bear down and put it in the net because even if you get 40 shots on on net, that might be the only one you get that's not Vasilevsky taking up the whole effing net. Yeah, I mean, like you know, that, 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 is, that is that is the like Vasilevsky can steal the series. Yeah, even if I mean, it, look at look at what Ottinger did for oh Dallas. Uh, you know, and that and you know nothing against Ottinger. He's he's very very good, obviously, and he's shown it. But Vasilevsky obviously is can do that and more. So that you know, if you run into that, you can still beat him. 
but you ha you beat them by making sure you 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 don't waste an opportunity. Here's a question I have for you. Break. Here's a question yeah. I have for you. If you don't if you don't mind me asking, last year the Panthers in their wins in that series beat them because of volume, right? Remember Game Three when they just threw everything at him and eventually he just gave up goals because the Panthers threw everything they had at him. You remember like game three in the third period when they came back, that's what they did. I am not sure that the Panthers can beat Andre Vasilevsky in this postseason by pure volume, just throwing stuff at him. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Now it could be, it's definitely not inconceivable, but to me, I don't think the Panthers are going to be able to beat him by just throwing stuff at him. You know, just volume after volume after volume. Maybe, maybe that's what happens as the Lightning make more mistakes because they are tired, because they don't have as much depth. However, we're going to see. I, I think that for them, well, they, I, they, they need to take their good chances, obviously. But I'm not sure they can rely on the fact that they will eventually, you know, break through and get 35 shots and you know 65 shot attempts as the, the as the x factor i think florida is going to need to get pucks in deep and what i mean by that is not dump the puck in deep i think that they're going to have to do a lot of play behind the goal line i mean we you i talked I, about this in the last in the last show we did like that's where a lot of things happen and i think they can win battles they yeah. have smart players who know how to win battles in behind the net yeah, you but know, you, I mean, you know, you've that's got how, Sam Reinhart, you've got Jonathan Huberto, who's gotten really good at that. That's how you're going to get Vasilevsky tired. That's how you're going to get him to make mistakes, is get him to, to have to be down in position, bending his knees more, watching the puck behind the net. Um, you know, a lot of pucks going from down, down low into the crease. You know, a lot of retrievals back there to keep plays alive and putting it right back into the danger areas in the slot. Um, you know, whether it's getting it back to the point and the point gets a shot clean through to that area or, or a shot pass into that area um, or, or getting that puck there directly or skating it in there and trying to jam it in, whatever it takes. Um, but playing, making sure he's down in position, making sure that you're working Vasilevsky hard uh, and that he's always kind of working even if you're not getting shots off because a lot of times in the washington series florida had a, the puck really up high in in the in the zone and samsonov was able to stand up look around traffic was able to really you know kind of rest his knees you know kind of shake out his shoulders you know kind of adjust his equipment get himself comfortable and, and see the play and, and everything around him um, and, and, and kind of take a break. If everything's down low all the time, he, you know, the goalie doesn't have a chance to do that. And I think that's where you kind of get those plays where a Ryan Lomberg type you know, was able to cash in chances in last year because when they were around the net, when Vasilevsky was tired, he was there, he got on a puck, and he put it up under the bar and made, you know, you know, he was getting his chances. He was finishing them. He was ready for them, and he knew he knows how to play that style of game. So that's why he, he's probably going to be a, a, not. A, I don't know if he's going to be a factor in this series, but I think he's definitely going to draw into the lineup a bit 
in this series in a game or two. I yeah, I think that it's he might not start it, but like if the Panthers know they need a little bit of like that little jump, that little energy, let's say maybe I don't know if he'll play the home games. Maybe he works in the road game. Like maybe that's yeah. what he well, needs. Well, I mean, let I was I don't know if we said it on the podcast on air or not, but um I was saying that, you know, mom and coming in in Washington made sense. And, you know, I but it wouldn't surprise me if Lomberg was the first guy in if they play like a Tampa Bay next round. You know, like that's kind of how these 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 depth spots are kind of made. You know, if if Duclair comes out, you know, they can kind of put in somebody hot, you know, a more talented guy or bring in Joe Thornton and slide, you know, somebody up. I, I got to wonder when they're going to play Joe Thornton because he's got to play in a playoff game to get like, I know that they'll put his name on the cup anyway, but like they yeah. don't want to play him in a playoff game at some point. I mean, I don't know when it's going to happen, but you know, um, I, I, I know they want to, but it's I, just I think they're going to, I think, you know, in the middle of this series is probably a good time to to look start looking for that um you know games three games four um on the road i think you know if if lomberg's getting in you might have another injury i think you know thorin could get into a game there or lomberg gets into one thorin gets into the other uh wouldn't surprise me um you know he'd be a good guy to you know if their power play's still not going Maybe he's somebody who they just put and they just stick him around the net and they start, you know, trying to work a little more behind net passes because if they're going to do like a reverse umbrella or whatever, if if they're not having problems getting in in the zone and setting up, it's just problems finishing, then you can maybe have a Thornton on the power play uh, and, and not really take a hit. Um, because you can get the puck, set it up, give it to him behind the net, and he kind of can work in it like an office and kind of make little plays and, and get back in front, little tips, little finishes and stuff like that. He kind of has that wily gamesmanship to, to get it done, and that would maybe be a value spot to, to kind of u- utilize him. Well, we'll uh, see if he year. gets in. I mean, it, it is an interesting question because I know they want to, but it's a matter of whether they're able to. So mm-hmm. I think that's the hockey aspect they're, of this. Yeah, they're definitely not going to feel forced to play him. No, uh, no, 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 no. They didn't all throughout the year. Joe Thornton understood what his role was, and he, and he played when he and he needed to play. Well, we'll see what happens in this series. Uh, and now let's get to the non-hockey portion of this. Uh, and, uh, okay, I'll start with this. I understand. I am not a Heat fan. I don't watch the NBA anywhere near as closely as I watch the NHL, but I know a lot of you listening to this are fans of both, and yeah, no, it sucks. I completely understand that it sucks. The Heats are in the Eastern Conference Final, the Panthers are in the second round for the first time since some of you weren't born, some of you were toddlers. I get it. You don't want to have to watch both at the same time. It sucks. I, 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 if I was making the decisions, the Panthers would be playing tonight, and we wouldn't have this problem. But obviously, exactly, that's not what's happening. And I'm not saying that this is solely because of TV, because we don't know that. But if you're telling me what series would ESPN rather show, would they rather show a series with the Rangers in it or Florida Tampa? They'll pick the Rangers every time. And so because ESPN has to show games a certain day because of they're showing the Easter Conference Finals in the NBA one night, they can only show hockey on certain nights. That's what they're going to do. Listen. 
it is what it is. But it's, it's not. It's, it's not. It's what funny I how the NBA schedule doesn't matter in some instances, but it well, matters in others. Well, I'll tell you why. Yeah, let me let, let me let me explain this because I have to do this because the NBA TV contract dictates that NBA allows for ESPN and Turner to swap what conference finals they show every year. And that means they're going to alternate days, one day on, one day off. This year, it turns out that the NBA Easter Conference Finals is on ESPN. The West is on Turner. And so because the NHL schedule, usually the, the Stanley Cup playoffs would start a little before the NBA's, but this year it started as the second round of the NBA playoffs was starting. The TV schedules, because the NBA and the NHL now have the same TV partners, they balance each other off. So when Turner would show early week NBA games, ESPN would show early week NHL and vice versa. Now we get to the second round where because of this TV arrangement with the NBA, this is how the NHL has to fit in for ESPN and Turner. Now it's not, again, how I would have done it. I would have said, hey, Florida, Tampa, play Wednesday so that the Florida, the South Florida market does not have to watch two teams at once. But ESPN wanted to show the Rangers and Hurricanes, I think, like, that's the guess. That's what a lot of us are thinking. And, I mean, it is what it is. Now, the good news is we live in 2022. You can stream one game and watch the other. And the Panthers game starts at 7. So, unless games go to insane overtime, you're going to be done with the Panthers by the time the Heat game's in the third or the fourth quarter. So, you'll be able to watch both. And, as I joked with somebody a couple days ago, we should bring back picture-in-picture. Picture. For some of you, you don't know what that is, but I remember watching games on picture-in-picture. Uh, Hulu does have picture-in-picture, picture, by the way, just as a free advertisement for Hulu. Uh, I'm which... not talking about... I'm not doing free advertisements for Disney here. I'm <laughs> well, I'm not That's doing... Not well, not, I'm just saying it's, it's a helpful tip if you need picture-in-picture picture and you have their products because that's how you have ESPN Plus or whatever to watch this stuff because it's the so, only way... So, I mean, but, but the point is, that is the scheduling thing that some people are frustrated with me and i think a you, normal human being no, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm, I'm, we're, we're kidding. the heat are great too there's nothing wrong with the heat i, I hey, joke that they, the panthers they are actually win them. you championships i i'll give you that they're the best run team in the nba so i mean what, what are you going to complain about i've told i've said the panthers should probably emulate the heat in a lot of things they're doing and they might be starting to do that that's a good thing the heat are a model franchise so my stance here is that sucks but it's something you can work around and the times are staggered in such a way that the panthers are probably done by the time the heat game gets to the fourth quarter now and, on the other hand maybe maybe you can always have a win you know maybe that's how it works out well, you can or, or as i think they should do like you do watch parties where you put both games on and you do a big thing at the Heat Watch Party. You have a Panthers game on one screen, and then vice versa. It's good. The teams can support each other. It's cool. Why not? Yes. Yeah. So the, the Find opportunity thing, you know, the, in it, for sure. Yeah. Why not? I mean, I understand the Panthers are a, are a different market, in air quotes, than the Heat are, because they play in Broward, but they're still South Florida teams. And but their fan bases overlap, and that's there the important is, there thing. Is, I mean, while there is a different targeted segment that the Panthers go for than the Heat, there is a ton of crossover for obvious reasons. I'll just I'll just say that the bars in Fort Lauderdale will definitely need be need to be doing both. Yeah, there's no doubt, and the yeah. bars in Miami will do both. So here's that. But the second thing that's a little frustrating and annoying, and it reminds me of what happened in 2016, if y'all remember, 
when the Panthers had to play back-to-back games in the opening round because the Islanders stupidly scheduled, well, it wasn't the Islanders, Barclays Center stupidly scheduled a concert that could not be moved. Thank you to Michael Yormark's brother, Brett Yormark, if you'll remember that joke from Why Hockey Days Past. And now the Tampa Uh. Bay Lightning, for whatever reason, have a concert they can't move in the middle of the Stanley Cup playoffs after they won. Kane Brown. Kane Brown. Very, very boring country artist that you do not, like, Kane Brown is not more important than the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion. All I'm going to say is that's somebody you pay to go away, dude. Like, come on. This shouldn't be a problem. Pay him I, to I mean, Pay I, him I know, to go to Sunday. Why can't, he, why can't he do a concert in the intermission of the game like the Predators do? It's very simple. Yeah. The, they, the, the fact yeah. that they have to now play back. I mean, I understand one's in the afternoon and one's at night, so it's not the worst-case scenario of a back-to-back. But you no, really well, shouldn't have to do a back-to-back of the playoffs. Yes. Yes. And And – and my thing is, once again, what, Tampa is just, I mean, they're, they, they're, they may be hurt by the back-to-back uh, more than the, than the Panthers. So, so that's kind of a hope, you know, fingers crossed there. But, you know, a, a team like the Bolts, they, they know better. Teams like Florida, who usually don't make the second round, maybe – Maybe they had more. They would have more incentive to try to risk scheduling a concert. Um, I don't even want to hear anything about it if it was a COVID makeup or something like that. I don't care. You you figure something out. Uh, you you're Kevin Hart had to move his stand-up routine at the artist formerly known as Staples Center because the Kings were playing a playoff game. What's different to Kevin Hart and Kate? I mean, yeah. arguably Kevin Hart's more famous than Kate. I would say a hundred percent is you know yeah. Maybe that's my Philly bias showing, but no, know. no. I mean, as far as like domestic dollars earned, I would say yeah. I mean, Kevin you know. Hart's definitely more known worldwide, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, listen, that 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 is annoying to me that they couldn't why, move the concert. They don't. Yeah, Vinick doesn't need the money. The Lightning doesn't don't need the money. This this is ridiculous and. Why aren't they playing today? Why why are the Lightning being rewarded for going deeper in a series? Usually, if you play, if you go later in a series, you don't you get less days of rest. You, you sometimes don't get any days of rest, or you only get one day of rest um, because you went long. You know, St. Louis and Colorado have been like waiting for like ever to play, and they're you know they should be playing today too. It's it's not even just a Florida Tampa issue. It's the NHL has to iron out this process with TNT, TBS, and ESPN, and ESPN, ESPN yeah. with the NBA, with you know they have to with concerts. They have to they have to get a hold of these teams and be like Jeff or whatever his name is Vinick. You need Vinnick. to. You you can't do this. You basically own the city of Tampa. You 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 control whatever happens here as far as sports and entertainment. It, you know, take care of it. You you can't let this happen again. And as a, a to show you we're serious, all of the ticket sales from that Sunday game are being donated strict straight to HRR hockey related revenue. Like they don't you know. You know, bypass go, you know, just go straight. Go straight to there. Yeah, you know, like consider it a fine. 
um, because they shouldn't, they should be punished for it. They, you know, because that's what they're trying to do. They're they're just trying to get some extra money or be, or I I I, I see it as that. I see it as disrespectful. In the regular season, I this get isn't it. Because this you is got not longer. about hockey. This is all about you know, business and corporate interests. And, you know, at the outcome of it is you have athletes playing back-to-back games in a sport where they're trying to play through injury and stuff. And it's just, it's going to lead to lower quality ice hockey uh, down the line. Uh, you know, You're playing a game on the 22nd of May at 1.30 in the afternoon in Florida. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, you, you, you heard Gerard Gallant comparing, uh, complaining about the ice last night because of a concert in MSG, and that was Billy Joel. I mean, yeah. you're playing, you're playing. It's going to be 90 and humid outside in the middle of the day. I understand that yeah. these facilities have great, you know, equipment to keep the ice the way they need to. But come on now, let's. I mean, yeah, the ice is going to be bad hurt. regardless. Someone's I hope not. Hurt. I hope not. But anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. that's that's a little frustrating, but. Such is the way it is. That to me is more annoying than the than the heat because I don't have the heat issue that some of you well, do. But and, I also understand why you're mad. And you can really only control so and you can only control so much. And if they prioritize the hockey, I wouldn't be so you know, you can understand why they wouldn't prioritize one fan base's NBA team. You know, the, I mean, they, I, really, I get it. they can't do that, you know. But like but, I mean you know what, what happened the in the past they didn't the prioritize the- anything you know, that had anything to do with hockey or for the fans. That that was that was always the last priority, the quality of hockey and the fans. And and I don't understand it. But well, that's... I mean, I, I, it's not the first time I've seen an NBA, NHL, and market conflict. Like the Sharks are playing game one of the Stanley Cup finals and the Warriors are playing game seven against the Thunder in the same. And that obviously sucked. But, you know, like, what are you going to do? And, I mean, I get it. I, I, I understand you don't want to schedule solely because there's an in-market conflict. And it's not like it's an in-market conflict where the teams share the arena. They don't. But it is, it, again, listen, I'm not saying it doesn't suck. I'm not saying it doesn't suck. I, but it, you got to win the games as they're scheduled. Yep. And so that is the Panthers-Lightning portion of the program. Uh, we're going to do, I mean, probably not after game one, but at least after game two because we'll have a two-day break. We'll talk about what we saw in the first couple games. I want to touch on some other things briefly rest of the playoffs, some other NHL news that happened to be there while we re- are recording this. Just around the rest of the postseason, uh, in terms of things you thought of, is there anything you wanted to uh, say that stood out to you in the first round? I-, I have to say, I am really happy we're getting a Battle of Alberta in the playoffs. Like, I mean, yeah. I understand. I think it's going to be fun. I I'm, I'm I was enjoying. Team Kings. I was Team Kings. Oh, I think the Kings are really good, and that team's a problem in the future. I think that team is a big problem in the future. Like that, I, they were. I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs this year. They took a big step. Some of their young players have have great potential. They've got cap space. They've got a good front office. That team is a huge problem in the coming years. But I think the Battle of Alberta is going to be really fun. Like I, I just have to say, like, it, because we saw what that Tampa, Florida series did last year, and those games between you know the Oilers with McDavid playing out of his skin you know you've got a really fun flame you've got a Flames team that is fun it got like obviously you've got Gaudreau who's playing well you've got Kachuk who's playing well I I, yeah. I I'm having a ton of fun watching guys you know like like Elias Lindholm and like Rasmus Anderson and guys like that who've really taken a step Our up friend the Eric Goodbranson is playing NHL level hockey he, credit Just- to Daryl Sutter I didn't think that was possible 
Just you know saying. what? Good for him. That's that's good for him. I I, I I like seeing that. You know, the he's not a bad man. He's just he was just not a good hockey player for the Panthers. That's all. But well, I he just wasn't at, the right fit at the cap, and yeah, it just wasn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, that's going to be a great series. That's going to be a lot of fun. And I also think if you're interested in the general NHL sense, the Canadian revenue from a Battle of Alberta playoff series is going to be mondo. So that means the cap goes up faster. That's good, too. I mean, technically, if well, you're thinking of that a, line, it'd be a lot more helpful if Toronto would ever get out of the first round. That I was about to say. Yes, maybe that's why the cap stagnated for the last six or seven years because because they Toronto keep can't get its act together. If the if the Leafs make a cup run, then the league is swimming in it. But it shouldn't be like that. Uh, I want to say, uh, in terms of just the, the game sevens were fun, unlike the NBA yeah. game sevens, which were both blowouts. I mean, the what the Suns did in Game Seven was I've never seen an NHL team in the Game Sevens that I can remember fold quite like the Suns did. I mean, I remember the Canucks getting shut out in Game 7 at home after all that, and the Bruins a couple years ago in the Cup Final, but never have I seen a Game 7 where a team just folded like that. Just complete fold like a lawn chair. Terrible. Um, sounds awful. Luke, I don't Luke watch NBA, but it sounds fun. awful. Oh, it was, it's one of the, it, it might have been quite possibly the worst Game 7 performance See, I have ever seen by anybody ever uh, in, in any sport where there's a Game 7. Uh, I do want to say, in terms of just all these other series, uh, how funny is it to me? I'll just quickly on all the uh, on the ones that I I found interesting. The Rangers winning that series was hilarious because they got their butts kicked in in every single game, and it wasn't that Shesterkin stole the series. It was that the Penguins would make one or two too many mistakes because they were injured or what have you. And the Rangers won. It's the diametric opposite of what happened in 2016 where the Panthers kicked the crap out of the Islanders and got goalied. You know, yeah. and that was Gerard Gallant on the other side of it. Like, okay, good for Frank Petrano. You know, obviously we like him a lot. I think the Rangers have obviously a ton of fun players. That series against Carolina, if they play the way they did against the Penguins, the Hurricanes should kick the crap out of them. But then again, I also don't expect that to be anywhere near what happens. Uh, I do want to see... What Tony D'Angelo thinks of playing the New York Rangers. Obviously, terrible human being Tony D'Angelo. I hope Alexander Georgiev punches him in a line brawl. That would be really funny. Um, as uh, our friend Corey Snyder tweeted, yes, for Fost hat trick. That would also be kind of funny. I thought Carolina, you know, that, that series was really interesting because it was all dictated by matchups. When the Hurricanes had last change, they owned the Bruins. And when the Bruins had last change, they owned the Hurricanes. I, I think that's what will happen in this series, too, with uh, with Carolina. But I'm not – I mean, the Rangers Which defied gravity winning that series kinda, against Pittsburgh. So. That kind of one points – makes me think, one, Brendan Moore is not that good of a coach. Two, uh, Canes aren't that good of a team. If I mean, if – I'm saying if they also – if the second round goes the same way where a team like the Rangers – uh, is able to dictate the matchups on the, you know, is able to dominate them when they have the matchups. Um, you know, Florida, at least, you got to say, it's not based on whether they have the matchups or don't have the matchups, whether they win or lose. Um, you know, that that's, <laughs> I'd much rather be in that position. Um, but I think well, it you're, makes me you're, think you're, if you're the right Panthers advance and play Carolina, they got home ice in that yeah. series. So and, and if we get you know, there. And, you know, that bodes well for them. Um, I, I think, you know, the way I choose to 
choose to see it this year is Florida has the advantage because they're playing engaging series that are challenging them. And when they win those series, they're gaining tools to put in their toolbox to help them win the cup, to help them win the next series. Uh, you know, I think that they're they're going to take a lot of what they learned. Um, you know, just in the same way as if Toronto beat Tampa, you'd see all those write-ups of, of about the same thing as how Toronto is going to take what they learned and, um, you know, apply it in the next series. And this could be a, you know, a stepping stone on the way to the cup and, and all that. Same thing applies here. Uh, they beat a team, Washington, who knew knows how to, you know, what it takes to win. And they, they were, had the upper hand and, Florida now knows that they can come in, shut the door on a team, you know, come from behind, but also play from ahead uh, and close it out without, you know, giving up anything really mm. substantial. Mm-hmm. And that that's yeah. key. I can see that. Uh, so those were the other e- – I mean, and here's the thing about the Leafs. I, I was watching the reaction <laughs> of Leafs fans. I was watching – you know, I watched Steve Dangle's video and – Here's my opinion on Toronto, and it, it's hard when you lose all these, you know, potential closeout games in a row. It sucks. This is not anywhere near as bad as last year, which was awful, and then Columbus in the bubble, although I could excuse that because it's the bubble. This sucked, but you lost to the Lightning. And that is a, uh, that's obviously, it sucks. And I think the playoff format doesn't do them any favors. I thought they were the better team in the series. I thought they played really well. Yeah. I thought their depth showed up. You know, I thought defensively, they looked really solid. I thought Jack Campbell had a really good series. You know, I thought he played, you know, pretty well for who Jack Campbell is. Exactly, yep. And I think that they did everything they could have done. I, when you're in a series. Until game seven. I think in game seven, they reverted back. I I mean, towards the end of the game. I don't think it was as bad. Towards the end of the game, I, like, a lot of times in Game 7, I kept saying, well, at least Marner's playing in reference to Matthews. I mean, I think that, you know, there is a situation like that that, that, that emerges, but I thought overall that team played really, really yeah. well. I thought their depth showed up. You know, I think that, as I said, defensively, I thought they were better than they had ever really been in a playoff series. And they had the goaltending. And I think it was just those those moments, those individual little moments that cost them. And to me, if you fire anybody, I understand the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I get that. But if you fire any like the GM or the coach who are responsible for constructing this roster as good as it is, I don't think that that's going to actually change anything. And it's not going to be the reason why you eventually win a series. It just isn't. To me, I think, listen, can they get better depth? Yeah, I think they could, you know, they have, I think Kerfoot is not the kind of player the Leafs need. I think the Leafs can upgrade in that area. I think that they could do better in terms of depth in some areas. I think that next year playing more Liljegren and Sandine will probably help them. I think that they can get better. I think they have the tools to get better. My 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 answer on the coaching thing is who was it that wanted Hall and Labushkin? Well, I thought Labushkin was not bad. I didn't think I, Labushkin I was bad. Uh, but I I think that there's two defense 
men who are better, and you name them. And I thought at least one of them should be playing. Uh, and I think Hall is objectively, I think by now, even though somebody asked a stupid question about it or worded their question wrong. Um, but, you know, it's, I think by now, if I'm Tavares and those two defensemen are where I thought the breakdown happened. If I had to go, if I had to go to somebody on the ice who actually impacted what happened with the puck and going into either net, I would point to those three people and I would say that's where you make your changes. You upgrade these. You you move Tavares, if that's possible, which it might not be, but you know. You know, you, you, but that's that's where I would say the letdowns happen. You know, if you can get better out of Tavares, if you can get, if you can upgrade those two defensemen, that's that's what you do. But if 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 the coach, if Keith's saying, the, you know, Hall, I still want, I want Hall next year. I, I think he's a good defenseman. I think he's like Ben Sherratt. On it, he's on his way to becoming a Ben Sherrod or whatever. You know, if that's what he wants, then I would maybe think, okay, we do need a new coach because I have a lot of good defensemen who I'm drafting and bringing up and stuff that I'm going to want to play Their over. Their development like is ball. exceptionally good. They do a couple, like just some things, exceptionally well. I I, I agree with that, yeah. and but I if, think that's you what know, you're, you're right. I think I think what the Leafs need to do. I think they need to say Tavares is now a winger and he, he does not have the ability to play high level center in the way he used to. I think if they can find a guy who can be a really smart, you know, second line center, that's not Tavares. How do I they, think, how do they get money to do anything? Um, I think the, there are a couple things they can do. Uh, the first thing is, I think you got to trade. I think personally, I think trading Kerfoot's something they got to do. I think they have to trade Morazic. Yeah. Those are going to be hard but, I mean, to do. But they've got a smart front office, so, so then, they should be able to figure it but, out. But that comes back to the front office. Like, what if they're the ones, you know, they they have to answer for the fact that, you know, they targeted Lubushkin, you know, I as I don't think Lubushkin was the problem to me. I, 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 thought, mean, I thought that he did what he was needed to do in that. I know what they wanted. I see but what you, they were, you, were you trying brought to find. In a, you brought in a guy who took up a spot from somebody I thought who could have made a difference and could Listen, have. Listen, I, I thought Lily really should have played it overhaul, but that I mean, again, that's me, you know. And I think some. But they're the they're the ones that let that. Jared McCann go to keep Kerfoot. So yeah. They're, yeah. You know, I mean, listen, I, I I don't think that every front office is obviously they're not infallible. I think right. that team, you know, with Jared and I'm not saying, team and I'm not saying that rest, but they have, if they're going to change something, maybe they change that decision making, even if it's not firing a decision maker. That that that's, is that's perfectly that that's perfectly acceptable. I think that that they have that to makes do something. I mean, but like you know, I'm looking at their roster and cap friendly, and not only will I say that they have a lot of guys who make a lot of money. Like and Tavares making 11 million for three more years. I don't. You know, if you got rid of him for, you could maybe do something. Maybe, like, could they maybe trade him to uh, a a team? I don't know if he. I don't know. 
I don't know how that I, would work. I don't think trading to I don't think trading Tavares is going to work. But as I said, I think well, like, you can trade. I, I think, think the big as a forward. I think you would find a suitor. Like I think the Philadelphia Flyers, Chuck Fletcher would be like, oh yeah, let's see. I would try to make that work. You know what I mean? Like I well, think. I mean, hey, if you can do it, right? then do it. But like that would be the move I would make because trading any of Matthews, Martyr, or Nylander would be stupid. Just insane. You can, well, obviously not Matthews, but Marner or Nylander, you can't. Trade well, I mean, for me, if I, I it's Marner is the one you trade, but Nylander's you, you can't do that. You can't trade Nylander because he's too cost effective. Yeah, you're, you're like, absolutely right with William Nylander. Just, you're 100 like, right. I think I think personally, if they bring like, I think next year, I mean, if they can trade some of the you know some of the more spare part type guys, you know, like Kerfoot, as I said, Morazic's gonna go. Um, I think they, I, I think they and, can bring that. Well, they, but they, also they have a lot of that. trade protection. I mean, they have Wayne Simmons next year trade protection. They have Muzzin, Riley, Brody. I mean, Justin Hall has trade protection. What? So, I don't understand why he has trade. That's that, one, and, and two, so does, and three, so does four, five. So does Morazic. Why does he have that? Yeah, that I mean, makes sense to me. That's that's crazy. Why do you why do you have that? But as I said, I think the Leafs have tough. the ability to. It's going to make it tough, but that's a smart front office, and they got to figure yeah. it out. And I think I think this is. I think honestly, because they played as well as they did, I, Steve Dangle said it, and I, I I agree with him. If their game seven performances were swapped between this game seven, you put it last year against Montreal, and the Montreal game seven in this one, then you'd blow stuff up. But because they played so well in the series, and they arguably were not bad in Game Seven against Tampa, to me, no, that, they I just, think you, you have to give. I think you have to give them one more. Like again, definition of insanity, whatever. But you give them one more run, and they just have to be a little bit smarter with their yeah. moves. I still think if they can upgrade second line center and they make Tavares a permanent winger, that I think is where they could I, unlock. I something. don't know how they do that with. I mean, trade Kerfoot. They already re. That, like, they that, already that's re-signed Kyle Clifford. Like, what are they, like, I mean, what are they doing? Well, I don't, again, I don't understand some of the depth moves that they made, but they'll, they'll, have some, they'll have some guys coming in that I think some younger guys, Matthew Nyes will play eventually next year in the playoffs, for instance. But if they make the right decisions this offseason, I think they could do it. But to me, it is, it's upgrading in the little areas, and I really think second-line center is where their biggest upgrade can be found. That's just me personally, but I could also be wrong. Just other series I want to I make a mention of. Uh, is Colorado going to get past the second? I hope they do. Like, the difference between Colorado and everybody else in the first round was stark. I think they played a bad team in the first round. Uh, obviously, Nashville without Soros is not good. They did sign Askarov, which is interesting. So, goalie controversy perhaps brewing in Nashville at some point. And the, and the wild sign Wallstead, so that's interesting as well, what's going to happen there. Uh, to me, the, the, the mo- it's not the most interesting story of the second round because all the series are interesting to me, but are the ads going to figure this out? Like, that team is too good. You know, I think that the way they have played at times looked next level, right? And obviously, I know you're very fond of the abs. I think we're all fond yeah. of the abs in the way they play. Can they, is this is this the time they figure it out? They they have no better chance. This is it. The big I, I just from think last year are not there anymore. Uh, they'll be fine. It's whether they can withstand. I think St. Louis is going to come at them. They know Colorado has been resting like four or five days longer than anybody else. Almost like it's kind of ridiculous. 
um, they've just been practicing. So they, you know, they're going to try to catch them sleeping. They're going to try to take game one. They're going to try to, uh, you know, come out with a lot of energy, be very physical. To be, to be not just the physicality, but I think the speed they have, you know, with guys like Kyrou and Thomas could, could challenge the avalanche. But to be honest, there is no reason the Avs should lose before the Stanley Cup final. None. Well, I mean, it depends they on lose. who they play in the third round. I mean, if they were playing I, I Calgary, Calgary could, I think. I think they could frustrate them, but also I think the Avs are a smart enough team to know how to get past that. Now, that being said, they have not done that in recent playoffs, but I think the Blues are going to give them much more, obviously, than they did last year. I think this Blues team is, is deeper. Um, I think that, you know, they're a faster team than they have been. I think that they have some defensive depth if they're healthy. You know, that's another thing that happened in the first round uh, that was interesting to me was watching the Blues just plug in dudes and just eventually figure it out. Uh, to me, though, the Avs should be able to figure this out. They should play with speed. They should be able to play with pace. They should be able to, you know, Kale McCarr in that first round was just, I mean, come on. That was incredible, right? Like that, that was like best player in the world type stuff he was doing. Can he do that again? Does he have to? I don't think so. You know, does do the abs play like the abs is basically the big question. I think they can do it. I hope. Again, I, I said before the playoffs, an well, abs I mean, the, final the, would be the so biggest thing about the playoffs is you don't know what's going to happen game to game. So it's easy to say, you know, sit here and be like, well, yeah, if the abs are just the abs, you know, everything will work out. But you know, what's going to happen in game one? If they lose game one, you know, do they, you know, what, what do, do they change things up and it doesn't go well? Um, is there injuries? Does, you know, is Kemper actually going to be fully health, healthy or not? Um, if he gets hurt again, does that change the series? Um, there's a lot of, uh, different things and you know a team like st louis they have guys who are going to be in and around that paint uh and it's not going to be an easy series for whoever's in that uh and if it's I think kemper, it'll be kemper. yeah be... i think it's going to be kemper i do but, well, uh... he's he's going to have to be able to stay strong and be able to you know play through whatever he has um because he's that's how st louis is going to try to score you mentioned some of their guys that they have, like Kairou and Thomas and stuff. Very skilled players, very fast players. Definitely score off the rush and, and highlight goals. But they also have, you know, Braden Shen. They also have, you know, Brandon Saad. Brandon Saad. Yeah, I David mean, Braun, you know, their guys. It's still a St. Louis identity. It's still a Craig Berube team. Um, you know, they are going to do what they can to make it difficult because they know that's where scoring chances are and that's where goals are. They're in the hard-to-play areas. They're in those difficult battles. It's getting those loose pucks in defenseman skates where the goalie's trying to grab it with his glove and he can't. And, you know, in the last minute of a period, that just turns the series. And that's how they've won cups before. I don't you know? think the Avs are going to lose that series. I think it's going to be. I don't think so like, either. But I think it's going to be a six. I think it could be a six. I don't, think, game series. I don't think Colorado was helped by not being challenged at all in the first round. Yeah. Whereas, and then having to sit around and practice, watching all these other teams play different. That happened teams. last year too, right? They, they yeah. destroyed and, the Blues in the first round. Vegas had to go seven. And eventually Vegas got better as the series went on. We saw what happened. 
And yeah, I, I think, I mean, could it happen again? Sure. But, yeah, so I'm not... I, I Yes, I'm like 75% sure Colorado's going to win this series, and I would bet money on it. Not a lot of money, but I would bet, you know, money on Colorado if I had to. But, you know, there's a reason it's seven-game series. There's a reason why, you know... All of these first round matchups went long because there's a lot of parity right now, uh, more so in the East than the West. But I, I think I mean Dallas you know, wasn't a good team and they pushed Calgary to the brink. Yeah, it's, some it's, of that it's was goaltending, obviously. It, well, but... it's about matchup. It's about you know Dallas was comfortable playing playing away that you know they weren't frustrated by calgary's volume of shots and stuff they weren't worn down they didn't give up you know calgary is a loud building and they had a very good game seven on the road dallas did um man yeah they came out you know ben had that goal right away i mean like they're they did a lot of things you know they 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 played that series really well if they had to go against colorado i don't know if they would have fared that well Calgary maybe is a better matchup because they would engage and play more of that trench style. They'll, you know, they kind of, you know, it's a better fit for them, I think. So it's, it is a little bit about matchup. It is a little bit about, you know, uh, especially now when seeds really are cut in half. It's more like four, one versus four and two versus three, and it's not really eight versus one. Um, as it should be, you know, and some divisions are weaker than the others. So it matters about which wild card you get and who, if teams swap out divisions and cross over, like uh, uh, Boston crossed over into the uh, Metro. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of different things about it that that can really dictate it. But then, I mean, we, we we've seen how between different series, the officiating has different standards so um some of that (laughs) matters too because if you're playing a game where there were some series where there were more penalties called than others Mm. like vastly more so if you're if you're better on the special teams you know that helps you if you're not that hurts you um you know so it's there's there's a lot of things at play um Mm. but ultimately it comes down to, like we always talked about, winning those moments, having the better guys on the ice, scoring goals, stepping yeah. up. Yeah. So just quickly on some other news that has happened around the league, uh, the Islanders hired Lane Lambert. I figured that was going to happen once they fired Barry Trotz and they didn't want to lose him. I figured that was going to happen. And then they're the Golden draft, Knights did fire Pete They're going to draft his nephew, Brad Lambert, uh, in the first round, and then who's uh, – and then yeah, they're gonna have him and Aturati play on a line. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah, I know you like. I know you like them. Obviously, Finland. We have we have uh, no issues with that. Uh, and the other thing <laughs> is that the the Golden Knights fired DeBoer. So uh, yeah, Joel Quenville's going to be coaching an NHL team next year. Uh yeah, for sure. Or or okay, if that doesn't happen, because I mean it's still possible it doesn't happen. Where is Barry Trotz coaching? Is Barry Trotz going to coach in Vegas? Or is he going to coach in Winnipeg or Philly? Because there's a lot of different options for him. So I've heard, and by heard, I mean I've read and listened to (laughs) the media on this. I've heard two different theories. One, 
it's you know trots is setting the goalie mark or the the coaching market um and he has you know a, a little bit of time to kind of get his pitches from interested teams and kind of set a deadline at his own pace the other is it really depends on boudreau in vancouver boudreau is going to stay Boudreaux is now confirmed to be staying with the Canucks. Is, is that today or is that? Uh, I saw that a couple days ago. Yeah, Boudreaux okay. staying with the Canucks. So that wow. that's okay. taken care well, of. Well then, yeah. So then there you go. So edit that part out so I look a little smarter and more up to date. But uh, you know, Panthers win a series for the first time in your life. You know, since you know you were a little toddler, a little kid. Yeah. Uh, you know, not a toddler. I was older than that, but I feel I felt so young. You felt, if you feel so young and innocent in 1996 when you watch uh, the NHL on Fox, uh, I I mean, I, I to me it's going to be inter- like I I just like what is what is Vegas going to do is is the big thing. I think everything else in the coaching market stands to reason that it's going to be dictated by the Golden Knights. Like Trotz, I, I think Trotz has options though. I mean, uh, we're, we're, if you're Barry Trotz. You've got, you know, you have a good team in Vegas. No matter what kind of cat pillaging you have to do, you might not have a good team in Winnipeg. You've got a fractured dressing room in Winnipeg, is what you have. Maybe you have one in Vegas. I don't know, but you still have the Golden Knights. Where, what are you thinking is your play? If I'm Barry Trotz, what about I, Philadelphia? What's the matter of Philadelphia? Well, I, the, the, with well, again, I think that's also like, are you getting assurances that? We're going to spend money on Nazem Kadri, which I think the Flyers are going to do. Or are they going to buy the I mean, I think, for Johnny Gaudreau? Things like that. I think that. what the assurances he'd get is, hey, we have, we have the money. We're retooling. And if you're the coach and we're retooling and we want success right away and we want the guys that you're going to play, of course you're going to have a say in that. Of course you're going to have a say in free agency. Of course you're going to have a say in who stays and who goes. Of course you'll have, you know... I think that's what Fletcher's going to do because if Fletcher wants trots and if Fletcher wants to stay in Philadelphia and save his job, he's going to have to make those assurances because no coach will come to Philadelphia with the with a winning pedigree without those assurances because yeah. it's it's too tumultuous right now. They'd have to get a rookie coach or somebody who's fallen from grace like a Quinville or something like that, you know, or 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 a or a try to do a Bruce Cassidy type thing. Where he had one stand as a head coach, it went terribly. Then he had to spend ten years as his assistant, and then he got a second well, chance. Maybe they actually just get Bruce Cassidy because he's fired by Boston. Who knows? I don't think that. I don't think that's going to happen either. But um, it, that's the button everybody's pushing lately. I mean, well, there's been a I lot said, of. Coaches I think. I, I think. I mean, I saw somebody suggest to fire Mike Sullivan, which was hilarious. Like, what are you doing? If, I mean, if they fired Mike Sullivan. Uh, oh, if, think... I, if you're hiring Mike Sullivan, if you're firing Mike Sullivan, Pittsburgh, then everybody should hire him tomorrow. But again, yeah, whether that's going to happen, I don't know. Anyway, that's a lot of hockey things to get to, man. That's 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 it's crazy what happens with, in the NHL world when the Panthers do something that hasn't been done in 26 years. But uh, this Panthers Lightning series is going to be fun. Just find your way to do your split screen. For the Panthers and eat. You're going to be doing it. I know you're capable of all of it. You'll be listening to like, my hockey, of course, uh, as we do it. As I said, I'm not sure something's coming after game one. I'm very certain we'll have something after game two, probably that Friday, because we'll have a two-day break between the series. Uh, and and, and, and just three. remember, there's a lot going on. It's going to be very competitive and very... Don't overreact to yeah. one game in a playoff series, because <laughs> Tampa in game one against Toronto played maybe one of the worst playoff games I've ever seen, and they won the series. 
Like, right. the playoffs are weird. These things yeah. happen. One they're game not is that out until they're out. No, no, no. They're not out until it's it's finally over. And as I said, I mean, I think in my bracket predictions, I predicted Tampa. I mean, that's because I, I default to uh, until I see it, until I see it happen, I'm going to pick against the thing. You know, like until Tampa loses, I'm not picking them to lose. Uh, I had them losing in the cup final to Colorado because the abs are the abs. But like, can the Panthers win this series? Sure. Should they win this series? They're probably a 55-45 favorite the way things are with brain points injury. Does that mean they're going to win? No. But is this going to be a great series? I think this is going to be entertaining. And listen, as I said, it's what we all wanted. We all wanted them to play Tampa again. And now we, and now we get to see what they can do as a deeper, smarter, better team against the Lightning. That, again, again, imagine if they win... They deny the Lightning a chance to win three straight cups. It sends this rivalry to the stratosphere. And it creates a, a truly permanent rivalry between. Like, this can then... still be temporary. But, like, it now creates a permanent rivalry. And my last thing on the NHL and things they should do but they won't do. Hey, listen, all the people in the league. It's not John Collins anymore. Whoever their events guy is. I forgot the name of him. Uh, or Gary Bettman or Bill Daly. The Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning are about to play an insane-o playoff series. Last year, they played an insane-o playoff series. Every game between them is absolutely bananas. You, for some reason, do not think that you can play an outdoor game in the state of Florida. Stop thinking like that. Don't think about what you can't do. Think about what you can do. And the fact is, in 2024, the Panthers and Lightning should be playing an outdoor game at Raymond James Stadium. You need to make it happen. You have this white-hot rivalry that's going to get hotter. You have this market in Florida that is captive, that is really now bought in. After all the work you did over 30 years to build up hockey in the state of Florida, you have exactly what you wanted. Reward them with an outdoor game. You will get a bananas atmosphere, a crazy situation. Again, get a block of 15,000 seats for Panthers fans at Raymond James Stadium, a visiting section. The rest will go to Lightning fans. Do it during Gasparilla and watch your print money. Just do it. Don't think about what you can't do. Think about what you can do. And give us the outdoor game we all want, which is Panthers Lightning. In, I mean, if you don't feel you can do it in Florida because of whatever, fine, do it in Tampa. I don't care. Just you have to do it at all. It's more than beyond due for you to do it, and now you have no reason not to. The end. My, my advice is to root for the Rangers versus the Hurricanes because then if the Panthers play the Rangers, they won't go up against the Heat in the championship because they won't do that to the Rangers. So, there you go. Very good point. And on that note, good night and good hockey.